Welcome back to Bible time. We're going to look at another angle on Isaiah 2.5 today. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Scripture has only one accurate interpretation. The Bible says there is no private interpretation of Scripture. There are many applications of Scripture to different peoples, to different times, to different places, but only one right interpretation and all applications of Scripture must agree with and be in harmony with the true interpretation of Scripture. So we're going to look at an application of Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 5. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. You might say, what happened to Colossians? Well, Lord willing, we'll get back to Colossians, but right now this is the direction that the Lord seems to be leading. I'm not some kind of superhero or super Christian. I don't know very much. I'm just trying to do the best I've got with what I've got. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We are to be led by the Spirit. And I'm trying desperately just to follow the Lord Jesus. That's my goal. It's my desire. And I believe with all my heart the Lord directed me to Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 5 yesterday and again today. So that's where we are at. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, help us, Lord, to come to you. Help us to walk in thy light. In In thy light shall we see light, your word says. Lord, there's so much more that I could preach that I don't even have here written in the notes today. Help me just to keep this concise. Help me to keep it on point. Help me to stay in line with your will. Help me to preach your word, Lord God, with um, your divine unction, Lord. Let your power attend your word and the hearing of the word, Lord, not just the preaching, but the hearing. And that all those who hear this message will be blessed by it, Lord, with 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 the call of God in their hearts to draw nigh, to come to God. I pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Let thy will be done, and not a man's, and not mine, just Christ's will, the Father's will. In Jesus' name, amen. O house of Jacob is the cry. O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. We looked yesterday at backslidden Israel before Christ, backslidden Israel after Christ. The house of Jacob, what that means, the difference, the difference between Jacob and Israel, if you can really draw a difference, the difference is only spiritual. Both are of the seed of Abraham physically, but one is of this, the holy seed. The book of Ezra talks about the holy seed. Ezra said the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of the land. The holy seed comes up again in other places throughout the word of God. And the holy seed is not the physical seed, it's a spiritual seed. And that is evident throughout all the word of God, the holy seed. Now the seed of the woman would bruise the head of the serpent. And that holy seed ultimately um, was found in the name and the person of Jesus Christ, who was born of the Virgin Mary, conceived in her womb by the Holy Ghost, which is why the Bible called it in Genesis chapter 3, the seed of the woman. And that the purpose of Israel we looked at yesterday was to be a light to lighten the Gentiles and to carry forward the holy seed there in revelation you find the story of the woman who was to be delivered of the man child and as soon as she was delivered the dragon stood ready to devour the man child and there you have a picture of israel delivering the messiah to the world and that was the purpose of israel to bring the messiah to bring christ to bring the revelation of god of his holiness to a lost and dying world the purpose of 
Israel was to be a nation of priests. Here he says, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Go to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. We're going to look, starting in verse 7. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Now, if you look carefully at this context, it is absolutely certain that this is speaking of the physical seed of Abraham. He says in verse 1, I say then, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, if that's not specific enough for you, I don't know what to do to help you. If you can take this and make it mean anything else than what it says, you've already been deceived. You've been spoiled by philosophy, by vain deceit, by traditions of men, by rudiments of this world. You've been beguiled with enticing words. This absolutely emphatically is dealing with the physical children of Israel. He says in verse 3, Lord, they have killed thy prophets. Is he talking about the church there? Is that the church? You want to say the church is Israel? Is he saying, Lord, the church has killed thy prophets? Oh, I guess now you're going to say the Catholic church is the church, the bride of Christ. What kind, what's next? How deep are we going to go in this thing? He says here, um, I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. Watch ye not what the scripture saith of Elias, how he maketh intercession to God against Israel, saying... Lord, they have killed thy prophets and digged down thine altars, and I am left alone, and they seek my life. But what saith the answer of God unto him? I have reserved to myself seven thousand men who have not bowed the knee to the image of Baal. Even so, then at this present time also there is a remnant according to the election of grace. And if by grace, then is it no more of works, otherwise grace is no more grace." But if it be of works, then it is it no more grace, otherwise work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. Now, I want to say something here. Election is in the Bible. The sovereignty of God, the, the um, foreknowledge of God, the calling of God, the election of God, the predestination of saints is in the Bible. It's all through the Bible. If you cut that out of your Bible, then you are in error and on your way to heresy. God is sovereign. God does elect. God does predestine. But I also want you to know today, as we're looking here, that if you do not rightly divide the church in Israel, you will misapply scriptures and you will build a false doctrine of election. You will build a false doctrine of predestination. And your offspring, if not yourself, will go to a devil's hell thinking that you are part of the elect when you are not in the sense that the verses indicate that you're quoting. And you will use for yourself verses that were spoken to the nation of Israel on a national level and you will bypass all the rest of Scripture that says where Jesus Christ himself said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and ye shall find rest to your souls. You will bypass the need for personal repentance. You will bypass the responsibility of man in salvation to respond to the sovereign call of God. And you will come up with something that is not biblical because you are applying scriptures to yourself that were given to the nation of Israel. That doesn't mean that God doesn't elect the saved. He does. It's in the Bible. You can't get away from it. But you must rightly divide the word of truth. You can't throw out some truth in favor of other truth.
Truth out of balance is error. Error taught as doctrine is heresy. Heresy that is gone to seed becomes blasphemy of the Holy Ghost in the hearts of men who are preaching heresy. And they'll find themselves damned to the lake of fire as heretics who have preached the word of God deceitfully. Now, the Bible says, Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, Let their table be made a snare, and a trap, and a stumbling block, and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see, and bow down their back alway. Now this, he's speaking of, the spirit of slumber was not given to the entire nation of Israel. I know that we hear that said from pulpits all over the place all the time, that God has blinded Israel. No, God has blinded Israel in part. But he says here clearly that there is an election, a remnant of Israel, of the physical seed of Abraham who God has not blinded, who God illuminated to the gospel, and who were saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ and the finished work of Christ on Calvary. And they are saved today. And without God's elect remnant, you would not have the gospel of Romans or the epistle of Romans. You could call it the gospel of Romans. It's full of the gospel. But you would not have the epistle of Romans. You would not have the epistle to the Philippians. You would not have the epistle to the Ephesians. You would not have the gospel of Mark. You would not have the gospel of Matthew if it was not for the remnant of saved Jews who are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing minus nothing who are of the physical seed of Abraham. Hallelujah for the remnant according to the election of grace. But the vast majority of Jews, God has given them in this spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see and ears that they should not hear unto this day. And David saith, let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back alway. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. Lord, help us to stay on track today. Oh Lord, so much here. We're going to move on. Now if the fall of them be the riches of the world and the diminishing of them the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness. For I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify mine office. Now here Paul is delineating between Gentile saved people and Jewish saved people. Though in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. Though in Christ we have one God, one spirit, one Lord, one baptism. One God who is above all and through all and in all. Jesus Christ is the, is the Messiah of the Jew and he's the Messiah of the saved Gentile. But yet there is a difference in the physical seed between the physical man who is a Jew and the physical man who is a Gentile. Now you wouldn't argue that if a Haitian walked into a room with a Polynesian and they were both saved, you would say, praise God, these two men are brothers in Christ and they can fellowship together. But nobody in the room would be so foolish as to say that the Polynesian was now a Haitian or that the Haitian was now a Polynesian because they got saved. The name Jew in the Bible is a physical name. 
It's a name of a physical seed of a physical man that was passed down. And unless you are physically of the seed of Abraham, you are not a Jew. Period. End of story. You missed the boat. You got a different daddy and you can't change that. That's an unchangeable. God made you the way that he made you and you can't argue with God about it. So let's just drop that whole argument. Why do we have to try and make something out of nothing? There is a physical promise to a physical people and there is a spiritual promise to all the nations of the world wrapped up in the promise to Abraham. You've got to rightly divide the word of truth. Now he says here, if he's, he's trying to provoke to emulation, speaking of the Gentiles and his apostleship to the Gentiles, he's trying to provoke to emulation them which are my, what does he say, flesh and might save some of them. And who did he say is his flesh? Israel. So here he's saying, I want Israel to be saved. He wouldn't be saying to the saved people at Colossae, I want you to be saved because they're already saved. In fact, he called them saints. He called the people at Corinth saints in Christ Jesus. They're already saved. But there are children of Israel, according to the flesh, who are not saved, but who still have the promises, who still have the covenants, but they have been blinded. And the warning that he gives here to Israel is extremely pertinent to us today. Let's look at it. Hey, pay attention. For if the casting away of them be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? For if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches be broken off, and thou being a wild olive tree, wert graft in among them, and with them partakest of the root and fatness of the olive tree. And who is the them, 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 them? It's his kinsmen according to the flesh, Israel. Israel who rejected the Messiah. The olive tree is Israel that is from above. The branches that rejected the Messiah. The branches of physical Israel that received the spirit of slumber have been broken off. But yet, according to the word of God, there is by the election of grace, by the sovereignty of God, by the predestination of Almighty God, there is a remnant of saved Jews who God Almighty foreordained before the foundation of the world would continue to carry on the promises God gave to the physical seed of Abraham while at the same time carrying forward the gospel of Jesus Christ as the spiritual seed of Abraham. And these are the olive tree. And these, the branches of unbelievers, were broken up because not all Israel, not all who say they are Israel, are Israel. And there are some who are, say they are Jews but are of the synagogue of Satan, the word of God says in Christ's letters to the churches in the the book of Revelation. So God here through the apostle Paul says, boast not against the branches, but if thou boast, thou bearest not the root, but the root thee. Thou art not the one church that Israel is grafted into. Church, as much as God loves you, church, bride of Christ, as much as God died for you on the cross of Calvary and redeemed you with his blood, you are not that which Israel is grafted into. And you are grafted into the olive tree of the promises of Abraham, of the covenant given to Abraham. You are the one grafted in, not Israel. Don't get it turned around backwards. Be not high-minded, but fear. The branches were broken 
broken off. Thou wilt say then the branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well, because of unbelief they were broken off, and thou standest by faith. Be not high-minded, but fear. For if God spared not the natural branches... And again, the natural, the nature, the flesh, my kinsmen according to the flesh of the tribe of Benjamin, he said earlier, of the seed of Abraham, these people, the physical people of Israel, that Elias made intercession against the unbelieving Jews were broken off. Though they had a natural place, though they were born into a, the, a family that had been given spiritual privilege, though they were born into a family that had the covenants and the altar and the altar of incense, they had the tabernacle, they had the temple, they had the Mount Zion, which God loves and always has and always will love, Mount Zion on the sides of the north. Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And Jesus Christ Almighty will someday rule and reign in Mount Zion. And the Jews have a privileged position as a family. You say, that's not fair. Well, why would you say that if you believe in the predestination and election of God anyway? That's not fair either. God chose Israel. Whether you like it or not. And he didn't ask your permission. God chose Israel. And he says, hath God cast away his people? God forbid. Now he says to you who have been grafted in, O Gentile church, what a blessing, what a privilege to be grafted in like Ruth in the Old Testament who believed and she said, thy God will be my God. And she turned to God and she was grafted into Israel, though she was a Moabitess. And in the law, she was completely blocked from the covenant for some long time. If I remember right, ten generations, but you can correct me on that with the Bible. I'd be happy if you did because I didn't look it up. And I don't remember off the top of my head. But Ruth was grafted in, and in like manner, the Gentile church is grafted in. And thou bearest not the root but the root thee, who is the root, the stem of Jesse, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah. The stem of Jesse, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the root. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the vine, ye are the branches. And Israel, Jesus Christ, represents the spiritual and physical seed of in a sense of the covenant of Abraham that in thee shall all the nations of the world be blessed. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the vine. He is the vine. And Israel is his parentage according to the flesh, whom after the flesh Christ came. So the vine is an Israeli vine, whether you like it or not. And church, if you are in Christ today, you are grafted in as a branch into the olive tree of Israel by the blood of Christ. And that's the only way in. If you're grafted in, you're grafted in next to the believing Jews who are still natural branches. They've got a corner on you. They have an advantage on you. Now we know that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, that we are all one, that we have in Christ... We have equal footing with the Jews today spiritually. But nowhere in the Bible does that give you equal footing physically. And you don't. If you're not a Jew, you're not a Jew. And that's all there is to it. Quit trying to pretend to be a Jew. 
The Bible says in Colossians, ye are complete in him who is the head. Quit trying to be a Jew. Quit trying to put yourself in the position of being a Jew. You Basically, in effect, what you do when you try to be a Jew is you're telling God that you need to be considered higher than the natural branches who he has made you equal with. You're saying, now we are the Jew. And God said, no, 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 no. I'm grafting you in to be equal with the Jews, which is a miracle of love and grace. The natural branches that already had the privilege, that had already been given the promises and the covenants and the temple and everything else. And God says, I'm going to graft you in, Gentiles, next to the Jews. And the Jews get all huffy and say, oh, they're Gentiles. They can't be equal with us. Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. Well, now we've got a whole movement of Christians who sit up and say, except you be a Gentile and get saved the way that we get saved without having any affinity to Jews, you cannot be saved. And they say the Jews are the ones that crucified Christ and God's done away with the Jews and he's cut off all the Jews. If God cut off all the Jews, he cut off Paul, who you are quoting to misquoting, that is, to rest scripture and come up with your false doctrine. This is so plain. It is so simple that any child can understand a Jew's a Jew. And if you're not a Jew, you're not a Jew. You have to have a doctorate of false theology to believe this junk that you're a Jew when you're not a Jew. It's a quantum leap. It goes beyond any kind of common sense or reasoning. And by the way, God is a God of reason. He's a God of common sense. He gave us a Bible that was written on a fourth grade reading level. You don't need a doctrine of theology to understand the Bible. And if you get one, you'll probably spend the rest of your life trying to undo the damage it did to you. Jesus said, except ye repent and be as little child children, ye cannot receive the kingdom of God. What does a little child do? He believes his daddy. And when daddy says yes, he believes yes. And when daddy says no, he believes no. And he doesn't need 17 commentaries and a bunch of Hebrew Greek scholars to tell him what it means. He just believes it. When are we going to get back to the Bible? The warning here applies today. I have friends, I have family, I, have, I know people who have been following God with all their hearts and then all of a sudden they get mixed up with this philosophical idea that the church is now Israel and before you know it, they're off the deep end somewhere. Their usability for God is destroyed. They've become what we call hyper-Calvinists. They are more Calvinists than Calvin. And next thing you know, they're totally dysfunctional for Christ. They've been spoiled. They've been beguiled. By what? By this enticing word that somehow the Jews aren't Jews and you're a Jew. And it's a bunch of rot. Jesus here through Paul calls you a wild olive branch. And he calls the Jews a natural olive branch. And he gives us the warning. They were broken off because of unbelief. He says, be not high-minded, but fear. Verse 21, for if God spared not the natural branches, take heed, lest he also spare thee. Behold, therefore, the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise, thou also shalt be cut off. All right, all you Israelite Christians out there. If you're an Israelite and God cut off the Israelites, look what he's going to do to you when you blow it. And by the way, you're blowing it. 
I hate to break it to you. I know you think that you're the best thing since sliced cheese, but I'm telling you, you're blowing it. You're not keeping every word of God. You're not walking in the perfection of Christ every day, and I'm not either. I want to be, but I'm coming short. I don't measure up, and you don't either. What's he going to do to you, Mr. Israelite Christian, if God cut off the Israelites forever? If he broke his promise to Israel, he's going to break his promise to you. This screwy doctrine is going to destroy every other correct understanding of the doctrine of Christ. Get away from that junk. Run away from that junk. It'll spoil you. It'll destroy your effectiveness for Christ. You say, what's your big deal? Everybody's got different perspectives. I don't mind if you got a different perspective. But when you start preaching error and making God a liar and destroying people and spoiling them through your philosophies, I've got a problem. And we're going to have a problem. The Bible says to earnestly contend for the faith. Now it goes on here and says in verse 23, And they also, if they abide not still in unbelief, shall be grafted in. For God is able to graft them in again. He doesn't say, God's got a new tree. And his new tree was wild, but he made it, he made it unwild. He turned it into the natural tree. And now the natural tree, if they repent and believe, will get grafted into the wild tree. That is not what your Bible says. It says the, the un, that the branches that were high-minded, that were unbelieving branches, in their religiosity, in their doctoral, the, doctrinal theology, in their doctorates of theology, in all of their attempts to keep the law, in all of their righteousness, in all of their holiness, in all of their orthodoxy, they were cut off. And if they abide not still in unbelief, he said, they shall be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. He can't graft them in again if he cut the whole tree down. There wouldn't be anything left. Come on. Come on. Get your head out of that doctrinal sand. God, help us in this day. You say, you think you're some kind of big shot. You're smarter than so-and-so and so-and-so. No, I'm not. But I believe the Bible. And the Bible is wiser than so-and-so and so-and-so. And if you disagree with the Bible, you're wrong. If I disagree with the Bible, I'm wrong. Let God be true and every man a liar. So he says here, For if thou wert cut out of the olive tree which is wild by nature, and wert graft contrary to nature into a good olive tree, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into what? Into your olive tree, Gentile church. What does he say? Look at it. Romans chapter 11, verse 24. He says, how much more shall these which be the natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? I've got news for you today. I've got news for you today. The breaking off of the Gentile branches is at the doors. We're there. It's about to happen. God's going to take his bride out of here, the church, the Gentile church, and he's going to break off the branches of the Gentile false Christian church. He's going to do it. It's at the doors. He says here in verse 25, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits. He said if you miss this, you're going to be an arrogant snot. Now that's the hillbilly way of saying it. He didn't really say it that way. He's a lot more gracious than I am. I pray God will help me and work on me. Help me to have gracious words. He said they'd be wise in their own conceits. That blindness in part. Underline in part. 
not to the whole nation, in part, is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. And who are the Gentiles? That's us. This is simple. This ain't rocket science. And then he says these words, and so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Sion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant from Jacob. From Jacob. Not from Edom. Not from Moab. Not from Egypt. From Jacob. And he says, you'll turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. As concerning the gospel, they are enemies. You want to try and apply that verse Israel to the saved. Look at the next two verses. That Israel of whom in part, who blindness has happened to, Paul calls enemies concerning the gospel. If you want to say you are Israel, then by that verse, then you have to go with the rest of it. And you're calling yourself an enemy of Christ. Come on. Get your head out of the sand. Read the Bible. He says, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sakes. For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. For as ye in times past have not believed God, yet have now obtained mercy through their unbelief, even so have these also now not believed, that through your mercy they also may obtain mercy. For God hath concluded them all in unbelief, that he might have mercy upon all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. We'll have to get back here in just a little bit. Now, in the pursuit of holiness, the Gentile church, in pursuit of holiness, in the pursuit of power to carry the gospel, in the pursuit of the salvation of the lost, the church of the Gentiles that believe on Jesus Christ, that call on the name of Jesus, that name the name of Christ, has forgotten Christ. I lay this charge to you today. Consider it. Ponder it, I pray. I pray you in Jesus' name that you'd consider this. Mennonites with their standards and rules, fundamentalists with their immaculate doctrine. Now these things may be things we claim and may not even obtain, but they're at least things we claim. Holiness claim holiness movement with their piety and care and discipline. Anglican roots churches, Reformation churches with their orthodoxy and liturgy and traditions and and all their church fathers they like to read. Pentecostals with their signs and wonders. Charismatics with their double portions of the Spirit. Fringe groups and splinter groups of every kind. All who name the name of Christ. Having been grafted in, if you have been grafted in. Having been grafted into the, to the natural olive tree, let's look at this cry of God in Isaiah 2, 5. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord, the call of God to you. Church of the Gentiles, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. In our churches all across the world, He is Jesus Christ is no longer the head, though God has made Him to be the head. Where a church exists that Jesus Christ is not the head of, you have a church that is no longer the church of Jesus Christ. 
You are no longer his church if Jesus Christ is not your head. Even as it happened to the Jews, so it has happened to the Gentile church. Our fast days, our prayer initiatives, our evangelization, our missions, our ministries, our music, our worship, our programs, the sacrifices of the Gentile church have become a stench in the nostrils of him whom our soul once loved. We've become high-minded and lifted up in our arrogance, in our pride, in our religiosity, in our doctrine, in our signs, in our wonders, in our outreaches, in our programs, in our events, in our numbers. We have become proud in our doctrinal exactness, in our exegetical exactitudes. We've become proud and lifted up in our hearts and Jesus Christ is no longer the head Of denomination after denomination. Of church after church. Jesus Christ is not the head. You say how is he not the head? It's manifested. In the rebellion to God and his word. In the rebellion to the old paths of God. The old ways of holiness. The old ways that God has given in the Bible. There's always something mixed in. Extra rules that are not in the Bible. A doctrinal harshness. Where the truth is preached, but it's preached in deadness. The cold, dead letter of the law. Holiness with piety and care and outward disciplines that neglects the inward holiness that's full of dead men's bones. We have orthodoxy and liturgy and traditions of men. Well, we lack the raw living faith in Jesus Christ. We have signs and wonders, but the groups that have signs and wonders often deny and disobey clear and basic teaching in the word of God. We have women who lord it over their husbands where Jesus Christ said that the husband is to be reverenced and obeyed even as the church is to obey Christ. And yet women stand up and claim titles of apostle and pastor and teacher and lord it over men in direct defiance of the clear word of God. And in their defiance claim to be under the head and lordship of Jesus Christ and they give for their proof manifestations, signs, wonders, double portions, tongues, outspoken things of all kinds they'll claim for it holding snakes in some fringe groups they'll claim that they can hold a snake and not get bit and that proves they're of God but they have rebelled against the basic teachings of Christ and the basic commandments of Christ we have sin we have wickedness we have fornication we have lesbianism we have transgenderism in the churches all across the the known Gentile world everywhere that there is a church that names the name of Jesus Christ sin has crept in and we are high minded and fear not go to um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28 Matthew 11 and verse 28 Jesus Christ cries out here in Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28 come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek Meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. O Christian, struggling and wandering through the sea of the plethora of doctrinal differences and schisms of the church. O Christian, with all your rules and all your standards. O fundamentalist, with all your immaculate doctrine. Have you left Christ? He says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What we need in our day is an old-fashioned return to Jesus Christ, who is the root of the olive tree. 
He's the root of the olive tree. Leave aside your signs and wonders. Drop your liturgy and traditions of men. Drop your orthodoxy. Drop the church fathers. Drop even your disciplines that you maintain in order to have power with God. Drop, if you must, your doctrine and your standards and your rules and come to Jesus Christ whose yoke is easy and His burden is light. You labor under the yoke of religion. You labor under man's traditions. You labor under the philosophies and the vain deceits. You labor and you labor and you labor, but your labor is in vain because you've left Christ. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, he says. We don't need more manifestations. We don't need more double portions. We don't need more signs and wonders. We don't need more tongues. We don't need more church fathers. We don't need more reformations. We don't need more seminaries. We don't need more doctrinal discourses. What we need is a return to Jesus Christ, Him whom our soul loved, and in Him we will find rest to our souls he says come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord O house of Jacob come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord three things here that God's called us to in this passage God has called us to unity he's called us to a walk and he's called us to the light of the Lord go to John chapter 17 John chapter 17. Here Jesus Christ is praying for those that would believe on Him through His name. Here He didn't name a denomination. Did you ever notice that? He didn't say, Oh, Holy Father, neither pray I, neither pray I for these alone, but for the Baptists who will come after me. He didn't say, oh, Holy Father, neither I pray I for these alone, but for the charismatics that shall come. He didn't pray anything like that. Look what he prayed. He said, oh, Holy Father. In John 17 and verse 20, he said, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. These that he was praying for were the natural branches, the Jewish believers in Christ, his disciples. And he says, I'm not just praying for these, but for those who will believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them. Why? That they may be one even as we are one I in them and thou in me that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved them as thou hast loved me Father I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world O house of Jacob O Gentile church who's been grafted into the olive tree, come ye and let us walk in the light of the, of the Lord. Come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. God calls us to unity. God's not called us to fight over a bunch of stuff. So why do we have all these schisms? Because we've departed from Christ. We've departed from the oneness of Christ. We've departed from the doctrine of Christ. We've been spoiled. We've been beguiled. And by the way, if you are trying to produce unity in Christ by making alliances 
with those men who come with their enticing words and who spoil through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ, you will never find unity in Christ. The schisms will only multiply. We are to earnestly contend for the faith. Being one in Christ does not mean allying, allying myself with false doctrine and heretics and cults. We are to be one in Christ, in Him. In Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Let's look at the walk God's called us and let us. He's called us to unity. Let's look at the walk. Let us walk, He says. Go to Galatians 5. If you walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Oh, charismatic church, Pentecostal church. When will you turn from your sin and begin to walk in the Spirit? Sin is accepted in your ranks. As long as there's signs and wonders and manifestations. I love you and the Lord if you're a Pentecostal, if you're a charismatic, but if you're truly saved, I call on you through Jesus Christ. Come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Your manifestations and your signs and your wonders cannot... Cannot offset the damage done by the sins of the flesh. And Galatians 5 says, Walk in the Spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus Christ, that as ye have received of us, how ye ought to walk. And to please God, so you would abound more and more. As you read on down, he says, look at this. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness." He therefore that despiseth, despiseth not man, but God, who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, he says, O oh, ye holiness, O oh, ye Mennonites, O oh, ye fundamentalists, listen to me today. God has called us to brotherly love. He said, as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves are taught of God to love one another. The Bible says, Beloved, love one another. Beloved, love one another. And indeed, you do it toward all the brethren which are on all Macedonia. But we beseech you, brethren, that ye increase more and more, and that ye be studied to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. The walk that we're called to, a walk of love. A walk of love. How do you say you love your brother when you will not fellowship with a brother if they don't keep your little church rules that are not even found written out in the Bible? Oh, house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. I said once to a man, I've met some saved Mennonites. Have you ever met any saved Baptists? He was angry with me. God calls us 
O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Let us put aside all of our name tags. Let us put aside all of our differences that come from man-made doctrines. Now this won't happen if we just pretend like they're not there. I'm not calling on you to say, oh, I'm just going to pretend like we're not different. I'm calling on you in the name of Jesus to lay down those things that set you apart that are man-made. That are apart from the word of God. That have gone beyond scripture. And come together in the name of Jesus Christ. And in the unity of Jesus Christ. On the word of God. On nothing more and nothing less. Lay down the church fathers. Lay down your orthodoxy. Lay down your order of service. Lay down man's opinions. Lay down your extra rules and standards that go beyond Christianity. Lay down your fringe groups. Lay down your fringe ideas. Lay down your doubtful disputations. Come ye, O house of Jacob, come ye, and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Romans 12 says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith." We're called to unity and let us. We're called to walk and let us walk, he says. And we're called to the light of the Lord. He says, let us walk in the light of the Lord. You cannot have true unity apart from the word of God. You cannot have true unity when everybody's Bibles say different things. One Bible says that Jesus Christ in Philippians 2.8 thought himself not to be equal with God. The word of God says that he thought it not robbery to be made equal with God. Look it up. If I misquoted it, I would love to be corrected. I do not want to misquote God's word. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Says the word of God. We're called to unity. We're called to a walk, but we're called to walk. And that unity of our walk must be in the light of the Lord. In the light of the Lord. Go to 1 John. We're nearly done today. 1 John. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The only true unity comes from the word of God. First John 1 John 1.7 But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. If you try to have fellowship without walking in the light, you have disaster. You'll end up with socialism. You'll end up with humanism. You'll end up with communism. You'll end up with heresy. You'll end up with cults and doctrines of devils. Our fellowship must be, first of all, with him. 
If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. Verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. We're called to walk in love. We're called to walk in unity. We're called to walk in the light of the Lord. In his light shall we see light. And only in his light, in his light, there is true love and true love has no occasion of stumbling your brother. You say you love the Lord, but you won't cover up your nakedness, sister. You say you love Jesus, but you come and flaunt your thighs and you come and flaunt your breasts and you come and flaunt your body in front of the church of the living God. And you say you love your brother. God says in his word, you lie. We're called to walk in the light. We're called to walk in the light. If you love your brother, cover up your body. You say you love God, but you walk into church looking for the next girl that you can fornicate with. You lie. You lie. You lie. Keep your eyes to yourself, men. Keep your bodies to yourself, girls. Keep your hands to yourself, everybody. Let us walk in the light. Walk in the light. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 7, and of the angels, he said, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. But unto the son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore, God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows in the pursuit of of everything but God in the name of God, the church of the Gentile world in the name of Jesus Christ has forsaken Jesus Christ. He is no longer the head and beware, beware wild branches, beware. You're about to be broken off. Go to Isaiah quickly. Hold your place in Hebrews. Go to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 10. What God said to Israel, God says to the Gentile church today. Throughout the world, not just in America, throughout the world, God says to the Gentile church today, 
Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity. Even the solemn meeting, your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widows. For the widow, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sin be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye be willing... And obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Isaiah 10 and verse 17, it says, And the light of Israel shall be for a fire, and his holy one for a flame, and it shall burn and devour his thorns and his briars in one day. Listen, church, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. When he comes back, he's going to restore the natural branches because they will turn. Just like the Bible says, all Israel shall be saved. All those who are stiff-necked will die in the coming judgments and tribulations that are ahead of the Jews. But those who God preserves his elect will turn to God and be saved. And all Israel shall be saved and they will be grafted in again to the tree. But the Gentile church, the false Gentile church, who claims Christ, but Christ is not the head, will be broken off just like God did to the Jews. It's coming. He said, be not high-minded, but fear. Go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Verse 28 and 29, and we close. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved... Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire.